Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, this is Megan, and welcome to Genealogy Explorer, where we dive into the family history of listeners just like you. Today, we're here with Tina Greer, who took a DNA test and discovered life-changing revelations about her family. She's here to talk about her experience and the impact it had on her. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit with me today. Could you introduce yourself to everyone? Sure. Um, my name is Tina Greer. Um, I found this podcast, I guess, on Instagram, and I follow it on social media. So um, I was very excited when I was, they reached out and said they would like to talk with me about my discoveries, because it's exciting, and people around here are tired of hearing me talk about it, so I'm anxious <laughs> to new audience. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I feel the same way. I, I'm always telling people the same stories all the time, so it was mm -hmm. great to actually have a different platform to express, like, all the stories I had that my family was just tired of hearing. <laughs> Right, right. I understand that. And most sometimes did not believe. So mm -hmm. that's always interesting too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Some people are like, oh, yeah, no way. And I'm like, no, it's no, that definitely happened. We had, yeah. I've, I've sold some stories on this podcast and I've had people reach out and like, did that really happen? And I'm like, yes, that really <laughs> happened. <laughs> yeah, that really happened. <laughs> well, wonderful. So you said you took a DNA test and you found out some crazy things about your family. Well, what made you initially take a DNA test to begin with? Um, I, I think probably what makes everyone at some point in their life um, want to know more about their past. Um, my mother passed away in 2012 and kind of made me officially an orphan, which mm -hmm. is, is, you know, weird to say, because at that time I was in my mid fifties and I had one living uncle left that I was extremely close to. He was my surrogate dad, I guess, for all extents and purposes, he kind of helped raise me. And so I just decided I wanted to start um, looking at ancestry and seeing if I could find any information on my past. Um, I grew up in the Appalachian Mountains, and it, it is very, very close knit in, in those regions. You never move in or even marry into families there. Uh, you're never considered part of the family. You're always an outsider. So mm -hmm. they, they never felt the need to talk about past events because it wasn't anybody's business. So I just never knew a lot about my grandparents and, you know, th th where we came from. And, and I was extremely interested. So I went on to Ancestry, set up an account and never even considered a DNA test because I thought I knew who I was. Right. Every, yeah. See, everyone always says that they're like, oh, I don't need a DNA test. And I'm like, you should maybe think about it because you find out some <laughs> yeah. crazy things. <laughs> Boy, isn't that the truth? Um, <laughs> true words are never spoken. Um, so I, I began researching my mother and I knew my mother had, I a, a, um, I guess, a volatile past. Uh, she was married that to a man that I, I thought was my dad because his name is on my birth certificate. Mm -hmm. And he he was extremely violent and there were lots of stories um, about his violence. And he actually lived in the same town that I was raised in. And my sister and I were the only ones with his last name. It was an unusual last name. And we were the only ones, but I never met him. Um, mom would not talk about him and nobody else would either. So it was just a given that I didn't need to know. 
Um, But in researching her history, I discovered her um, divorce papers from him. And she actually separated from him three months after my oldest sister, who's two and a half years older than me, um, after she was, uh, yeah, after born. Yeah. So I'm thinking, okay, um, either my mother at some point regretted the separation and divorce or something's wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. So I then became curious with it. Would it be possible that maybe he's not my dad because I don't vaguely resemble his side at all. Um, my sister looks exactly like pictures I had seen of him, um, but I did not. And right. I kind of looked like my mom features, but not coloring. So I got a little curious and <laughs> I have a half brother that I'm extremely close to. My mom married uh, my stepdad when I was about five years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm nine years older than him and we've always been very close. So I called him and as a joke, I said, is this man not my dad? And he got very quiet and said, I thought you knew that. <gasps> and I was like, oh um, <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't know that. And he goes, well, the family knows. And so this was probably maybe five years into my research because I was only doing it, you know, just at times when I missed my mom and I wanted to feel close to her. Right. So I really didn't, I wasn't serious about it. At that point, I became very serious. Um, I called my uncle who, as I said, was one I was very close to, and he had moved away years and years and years ago. So he was a little more open about talking about things, but I called him and I asked him that same question. And his comment back to me was, I'm not ready to talk about that right now. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. And his health was not good. He's, he's 80 years, was 80 years old at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, he was on dialysis. Um, just he, he, his health was very poor and this was in, um, March, no, I'm sorry, January of 2018. And so I, I respected him um, and I did not ever want to do anything to, you know, upset him. So I, I said, that's fine. So I called my brother back and I gave him that information and he contacted the wife of one of my uncles. And, and this is referencing that even though you married into the family, you're not part of a family. Right. They they had been married for almost 50 years, but still. Um, so he called her and she was in her eighties, sharp as a tack. And so she told him the story and he called me back and gave me all the details. And it, it, it was really hard to process. It took me probably another week and I contacted my uncle and I told him, I said, look, don't, don't worry about it. Don't stress over it. I already know. Um, and he got very quiet and he said, would you like to know your father's name? And I said, okay. And so he gave me the, he gave me the name. And at that point, I I really didn't know what to do with the information, but I did ask him, can you tell me why you kept this secret from the year I was born, which was 1958 until 2018. And he goes, well, your mom is deceased. I don't think she would mind me telling you, but. Um, the story goes that a work crew came into the Appalachian Mountains in the late 1950s to put up wires, uh, you know, run cable. And my mom had been separated from my 
who I thought was my dad since 1955. And this was 1950, late 1956. And they began to date and obviously became very close. Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone in my family knew him. He was part of family events. Um, Very, very, very well liked. In 1958, in January, um, his crew were transferred. They finished the job and they were leaving the area. And my uncle said at that point, he and my mom were very close. Um, She knew she was pregnant, but she did not want to tell him that because she didn't want the embarrassment, the stigma. She didn't want him to feel sorry for her or even feel like he had to marry her. So she didn't say anything. And she was four months along and he left and she never heard from him again. And when I was born, she was still legally, um, well, she, she was legally married to my, what I thought was my biological father. Um, when this gentleman left, mm-hmm. the divorce became final in April of 1958. I was born in June and she just put his name on the birth certificate and nothing was ever said. A very small town. My mom was delivered or I was delivered by a midwife in the bedroom of someone's house. Everything was very um, unofficial. So it didn't matter what you put on the birth certificate. Um, and, and that, yeah, and that was kind of that. My uncle told me that he told her he would take care of me. He never married. I was like his child. Um, he paid for college. He gave me away my wedding. N- nobody ever said anything. So his, wow. <laughs> yeah, I guess his last gift to me was giving me the name of my father. And he said, and by the way, I have seen him through the years and you look exactly like him. You, you could be, you're definitely his daughter. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. So at that point, um, I started doing research for him, still not thinking to take a DNA test. I just, again, <laughs> took my his word and I did find the name. And oddly enough, he died in the VA hospital close to where I live now um, in 1984. Oh, wow. And so, I, I ne- yeah, I never got the opportunity to meet him. Um, using Ancestry, I did find his obituary. Mm-hmm. And his entire family, he grew up maybe an hour and a half from where I live now. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, in the obituary, I saw that I had another brother and sister, several aunts, um, or a couple of aunts, uncles, cousins. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, at that point, I kind of thought, you know, um, maybe I should take a DNA test. <laughs> yeah, at that so, point, you're like, let's see who I can connect and find at this point. <laughs> yeah, let's see who else's life I can disrupt. Um, <laughs> That's what it so feels I like should... sometimes when you're like finding out all these new discoveries you're like hmm should I shake it up a little bit let's see who I can yeah that's yeah I understand that (laughs) it's true it's true because while you may be excited they're like um you know and still I'm in the Blue Ridge Mountains now as opposed to the Appalachian Mountains and mountain people are mountain people they don't like outsiders or what they consider harmful acts against their family Mm -hmm. so I was trying to be respectful of that, but while I was waiting for the, the DNA results, which by the way, take forever at that point, um, I did reach out to a person I found on Facebook who had the same last name and location as the half brother I would have, that would have been mine listed in the obituary. Mm-hmm. And I reached out to him privately and I told him very briefly who I was and what I thought was the truth. And he sent back within a matter of minutes and said, Oh yeah, that sounds like dad. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) 
okay. I said, can you send me a picture of him? I have not at that point had not seen any pictures of him. And he sent me several. And the first picture that popped up, I thought I was looking at my son in black and white. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I showed my husband and my husband said, well, where'd you get that picture of my son? He, I said, no, no, no. That's my biological father, supposedly. And oh, wow. it was, it was very weird. Um, but I did end up reaching out to, to that half brother and setting up a time to meet him the morning of the day that he was coming to my house. Um, I got my DNA results. <gasps> and so I, know I opened them <laughs> up and I, if this isn't a match, I don't know what I'm going to do because at that point he had told everybody on that side of the family, they had all reached out to me one way or the other. They were so excited. Mm-hmm. And so I opened up and the very first DNA match that I had was that last name was my <gasps> at that point, real father's last name. Oh, that's Um, incredible. (laughs) Yeah. So it was a DNA match and I met my brother and here's the funny thing. My son looked exactly like my, my father. Um, I am very short. I'm five, two. Mm -hmm. Um, my hair is kind of a reddish color. Um, and I have these odd eyes that nobody on my mother's side of the family had, my brother, when he's in his picture, he has my eyes. They're called the, the that family that family name eyes. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I, he walked in and I was like, okay, there's some DNA fluke here somewhere because he's like six five. He fills a doorway. He's not not in a fat way. He's very very muscular. He's a um, corrections police head of a prison, Ooh. and he looks it. Yeah. And so I stood up <laughs> yeah, it was like, uh, and I looked up at him and I'm like reaching to, I don't know, a little bit above his belly button, I guess. And <laughs> he, he looks down and he said, Oh, you're like dad, dad, dad was a small guy. And I said, really? And he goes, yeah. Oh my gosh. But you've got his, yeah. So at that point we reached out, we contacted my sister that I have become extremely close to uh, we've gotten together several times. We look so much alike. Um, it, it's just, it's, it's been honestly one of the most wonderful things that ever happened to me. Um, my uncle, my father's brother was still alive in his eighties. Um, I met him and his wife and they treated me like I had been part of the family since the day I was born. Um, oh, that's wonderful. Were, yeah, they were so kind and so sweet and gave me all kinds of stories about my dad. And the first time I met them, I took pictures of my mother on my iPad. And mm-hmm. they remembered meeting her. Oh, wow. I, I was stunned. I said, here's a picture of her in the 1950s. And when I showed them, they said, oh, we know who she is. She's that that young girl from Southwest Virginia that my father's name was Raymond that Raymond brought to visit us one time. And they, they told me all these stories about her and they said, Oh yeah, she lived at so-and-so and everything was true. So oh, all wow. it together, even without the DNA, the DNA just simply sealed the deal. Mm-hmm. So um, unfortunately my uncle passed, his wife passed and mm-hmm. I'm still very close to my half brother and half sister and a couple of cousins um, no one there had rejected me. Unfortunately, my family rejected it. They, in their minds, it was one of those things where if you, if you don't talk about it, it never happened. Right. 
it's a kind of complicated situation and people just want to bury it sometimes. Yeah, exactly. And and they, they didn't want to bring any disrespect to my mother, which I completely understand. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it was a different mindset in the 1950s. And I understood that. Um, But, but, you know, there comes a point in your, your search for your past that you have to do what's best for you. And what was best for me was to meet this family so that my children would know where they came from. And here's the tie that really let me know I did the right thing. Um, In 2015, I had um, cancer on my face. It was a malignant Mm -hmm. form of melanoma. And I went into the doctor and they, they did, it took three surgeries to remove it. When I met my uncle in 2018, he had just had surgery to remove a place on his face, the same place as mine. And he said, you know, this is what your father died from. Oh, wow. Yeah. That health, that health history is so important. If you don't know your, like, if you don't have your actual parent, like that, you know, for sure it's your actual parent, that health history is so important, especially when you take a DNA test. It it was, it was life-saving for me because at that point I thought, oh, it was, It was just a fluke. I had too much sun in my childhood and growing up, I was a lifeguard, you know, Mm -hmm. and I really didn't take it seriously to go back and start having six month or yearly visits with the dermatologist. Um, But they showed, showed me a picture of my father on his driver's license, probably two years before he had passed. And the cancer that he had on his face was exact same place on my face and it had spread and it took his life. Um, So yeah, there was, you know, there's a lot of ties like that, that I felt like my family, my children needed to know. And I, I don't regret it for one minute. I, I hate that my maternal side of the family has a hard time with it, but, um, you know, it's just, it's just the way it is. Um, but then I found that they had a lot of secrets that they did not want me to Ever. <laughs> right. Yeah. You were telling me some of that stuff. Uh, like you, you mentioned that your mom had a twin. Yes. My mother, um, well, through the DNA testing, I had a, a match reach out to me and uh, she was in Texas and I'm in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And she said, I think we are cousins because we matched on the DNA and we tried to track it down. And finally, we figured out that one of my great aunts was her grandmother. So as we were talking, she was sending me pictures of her mother and I was looking at my mother and I said, are you sure these are your, (laughs) this is your mom because (laughs) this is identical to my mother. So her, one of her nephews is a, and I'm not sure I'm, I'm probably using the wrong word, but he takes DNA results and matches it for criminal investigations. And he can match the DNA to see how close of a relative you are. It's not just kind of like, well, you're possibly um, half brother or first cousin, like, you know, Mm -hmm. the DNA. He did that for myself and, and Paige. And he said, Oh, no, no, no. You, you guys are first cousins. You (gasps) you can't be, you can't be second or third. You have your first cousins. And so in looking back at family history, she had the family Bible, her great, her grandmother, whom she thought was her grandmother that turns out was her, her aunt, <laughs> her oh great aunt. Um, we found birth records that had nobody had seen since the 1930s and the birth in again, remember I told you in those times, nothing was official. Right. So 
my great grandmother was called a granny, which it is basically a midwife. They deliver babies, no medical training. This is just what they do. Mm-hmm. In the 1930s, my grandmother and grandfather were extremely poor, um, which was, you know, pretty typical 1930s. So he would, he moonshined. So he would make a load of moonshine. He would, ho- they, they hollowed out trees, put the moonshine in the trees, drove these big trees, trunks of trees up to the north and would sell the moonshine. Right. And when he came back, he would get arrested. And the sheriff <laughs> let him do this because oh, no. it was the only way to like, yeah. So every time he was out of prison, my grandmother was was pregnant. So at one point it had in the vam- family Bible the birth of twins. And there were no twins listed in anything that I had, um, none of my family members that were alive at the time knew anything about any twins. So we had the DNA work done and we saw the, the identical, you know, they were so close in looks. We did the um, birth certificate research and they both had, I'm not sure, you know, how they reissue a birth certificate with corrected information. Yes, I do. Yes. They do that all the time. (laughs) It, exactly. And their my mother's birth certificates and Paige's mother's birth certificate had been reissued so many times that the birth dates were kind of kind of strange. Mm-hmm. We at that point, we were like, OK, if they are twins, how in the world did it happen that they weren't together? Well, her her grandmother had moved from Virginia to Washington State in 1934, mm-hmm. 1935. So her mother was born in 1935. My mother was born in 1935. But what really sealed the deal for us is we found out that her supposed grandmother was RH negative. She had one child and that's all she had. When her second supposed daughter was born, her one child was 13 years old. Mm -hmm. So the story is, and this is kind of, of verified by the family Bible that she has in her possession. My grandmother had twins, two little girls. My great-grandmother told her that she could not raise twins. At that point, she already had eight children. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And my grandfather at that time was in prison. She said, your sister has only one child. Let her have one of the babies, and that way you won't be burdened by two. Oh, wow. this was the great grandmother that I have great stories about too. But so supposedly that they lived together until both babies were six months old. And then my great aunt Edna went to Washington state, which in those days in the 1930s, that was the same as going overseas. You were, you know, it was right. so far away, nobody had telephones, that kind of thing. So she would come back periodically and the resemblance between her daughter and my mother was so striking that everyone was accused. And I grew up believing this, that my grandfather had had an affair with his sister-in-law. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but um, after we got the Bible information, we saw the writing in the Bible about the twin girls. We figured it out. And then the DNA t- testing that her nephew did, um, the result was obvious that we were first cousins and our, our, our mothers were sisters. Oh my and gosh. It, it's it's incredible every time she finds a new picture she sends it to me and it looking at it it's it kind of like you feel like you're going down that first drop of the roller coaster because <laughs> it looks like a picture of your mother that you've never seen right not, 
that's that is crazy like and you you said you connected on the dna site and then just happened to find out you were first cousins that's crazy right right um it, it was it was um it was one of those where you just you don't you get more than you ask for and to me it was all good but um nobody in my family uh would own up to it for lack of a better term i guess um but all my aunts that were alive at the time they've now passed right um so there's really nobody to confirm or deny the story but honestly with dna confirming or denying matters little it just it is what it is the the dna does not lie mm-hmm. well that's amazing though because are you are you uh close with your cousin still we we talk quite a bit we call quite a bit uh mm-hmm. she wants to come to virginia she wants to go um back to the mountains and see where her i guess ancestors uh <laughs> where, where her mother was born and i would love to take her one day but um I don't know that it will happen. Um, she's kind of to the point where her family, they're really angry at her for uncovering this. Oh, no. Yeah, she's trying to, you know, um, not burn bridges, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a, a very finicky topic uh, whenever you find out like certain things about your family. Some people are very accepting of it and then other people just, they're just not like, and they get upset. And there's a lot of sensitive feelings um, involved with things like this. And it's very complicated. It, it is. And and it, there comes a point in your, your research where it's important to you, but it may not be important to anyone else. So as excited as you are about the discoveries and as you know, oh, it's amazing. It's, it can be hurtful to other people. So I've had to be very cautious um, about what I, what I share with, with other family members that I, that are still around cousins and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the one, the one story that <laughs> this is probably the one that if anyone could write a book about what they found on DNA, this, this would be, this would be my opening to write my book. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, a, I have a great grandmother and we, we, I grew up knowing her as Granny London. Now she died years before I was born, but mm. you felt like you knew her simply because the family referenced her all the time. Um, if you did something that was inappropriate or maybe a little bit mean, uh, they would say, you're just like Granny London. Mm. Uh, you know, so I, I grew up thinking, gosh, she must really have been bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was right. I was right. She was, she was something else. Um, there are lots of pictures of her. She was a beautiful woman. Um, my mother, and we did prove this through ancestry, which I know a lot of people say this, but our ancestry did trace it back. My mother's side of the family through um, my grandmother were Native American. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but this woman, she, well, she wasn't, I haven't been able to prove the way that she was Native American. She was that very dark, dark eyes, long, wavy black hair, just a beautiful woman. Um, but her story, she began at 14 years old. She married at 14 and had a baby. And I found court papers where um, her husband sued her for divorce because he, he found her with other men. And oh, no. he, he wanted custody of the, the little boy. So they went to court. The court papers are all on file. Um, I read them. And, and in the court papers, it was very apparent that 
her husband at the time was going to win custody of this little boy. Um, so the next day they were to go into the courthouse and this was in the 1880s and the judge was going to determine who, who got the child. So the next morning, uh, her husband did not show up. Uh, they searched, they tried to find him. He was never, never found. Oh until, my gosh. Yeah, years later, um, his body was found at an unmarked grave. <gasps> so we're not sure. The timing is the timing was was perfect for my grandmother. Right, pretty convenient. <laughs> yeah, pretty convenient. So she kept custody of the little boy, but she did give him to her parents to raise. So that was in the 1880s. Um, she married a couple of more times. The divorces were were pretty violent. Um, well, divorce, the death was pretty violent. One gentleman she married and decided that she didn't like him anymore. She was probably 17 at the time. So she walked from Kentucky to Virginia oh and was in a cabin with two young men. And my, um, or her husband at the time had followed her. And when she went out into the yard, he saw her from the mountain and he took a shot at her with his gun. <gasps> he missed her. The two men that she was with came out and he shot both of the two men dead. He was arrested and he was sent to prison for their, their murders, but he didn't serve for a long time. Um, so her next marriage was to a gentleman. Um, I love his name. They called him Shade. Um, oh my God. So she, she was married to a gentleman named Shade. And, and this is also in the newspaper article. Um, he and, and she and Shade had gone to a dinner get together, whatever, with a couple of other people. And one of the gentlemen had made a comment or a pass at Granny London and Shade had taken offense. And my grandmother was, or great grandmother was flirting back. So rather than attack the man, he attacked my grandmother. Shade attacked my grandmother and cut her face and stabbed her several times before the other men pulled him off. One man had a gun and he shot and killed Shade. He then rode to the sheriff and said, hey, this is what just happened. And they were quitted because my grandmother did have the cuts. The story of that doesn't end there, though, because she had a little boy by him mm -hmm. his name was James. And that little boy was my grandfather. But we never knew anything about this because my grandfather did not have Shade's last name. Mm -hmm. When Shade died, my great grandmother changed his name back to her last name. She never took the name of any of the men that she married. Um, so, and it's very hard to prove the marriages even existed because at that time, things could be very, you know, um, unofficial. Um, but we do have the birth of my grandfather. She apparently had several children that we knew nothing about. Nobody had ever talked about or heard of. Um, and every child she had, except for my grandfather, Every other child she had, she gave to her parents to raise. Um, we, we do know she had a little girl that died. Nobody knows even what her name was, but there is a, a uh, recording in the family Bible, death of baby girls. So we're assuming she was, um, you know, stillborn and, but we don't know her, who her father was. Oh, that's uh, sad. Yeah, she had, I did have an uncle that, a great uncle that nobody knew about who died at the age of 14. And there's a picture of her with him that somebody had found. Again, we located it on Ancestry. Um, it, he was poisoned 
by my great-great-grandmother, my Granny London's mother, the one who took all of her children, because she was illiterate. And he had developed a, I'm assuming from the description I read on the medical information that he had developed a, a form of strep throat maybe, mm-hmm. and was given medication. And medication was in a blue bottle. And um, unfortunately, strychnine was also in a blue bottle. And my great-great-grandmother, not being able to read, gave him the strychnine instead of the medication prescribed by the doctor. So he that was a result of his death. Oh, wow. That's crazy. It, it, it really is. But of all the children she had that we know of, only two um, survived to adulthood. And one was my grandfather. Um, and for whatever reason, uh, Granny Linden decided to raise him and keep him. And at that time in the early 1900s, women really didn't own property and weren't, you know, the head of the household. Um, But she had a small farm and she had hired, I'm assuming, an itinerant worker to uh, work on the farm. And he was, I'm not sure what his nationality was, but from pictures I've seen, he was either um, some Spanish or Mexican, Mm -hmm. which was really unusual because this is as far away from the Mexican border as you can get. Um, right. but he, he lived with her and he helped raise her two children. He had two children of his own from a previous marriage or helped raise my grandfather. Um, but before my grandmother, great grandmother married him, um, there's a story that, that is very famous and several, um, ancestry experts have traveled back to where I grew up to try to get my family to talk about this and nobody ever would. And the last story that I have that's, that's I guess, uh, documented uh, is an author of, I'm not sure what she wrote, but her name was familiar to me. She traveled into um, Southwestern Virginia in the mid 1980s to interview my family about my great grandmother. And she was told very politely in no uncertain terms that what she had, the information she had was, tr- was not true. And if they didn't leave, um, they would sue her for slander or she didn't leave. They would sue her for slander. Um, so, you know, seeing what she was up against, even though the information she had was true and was, was documented, she did not want to get into a, um, a feud in the mountains. So she, <laughs> right. she, let, the, she let the matter drop. Um, but the story is, my great-grandmother was trying to find a way to feed my uncle or my grandfather, I'm sorry, and any other children she may have had. So she walked from the mountain where they lived uh, into the little town and it was very cold and it was in the winter and she went to the general store and there was a, the pot-bellied stove in the middle of the store and there were a lot of men sitting around it getting warm. And my grandmother, walked or great-grandmother walked up to the uh, stove and lifted her skirts just enough to dry her feet and one of the gentlemen saw her ankles even though she was wearing the black stockings right and he thought oh well isn't that nice so he paid for her groceries so the next week she went back and she lifted her skirts a little bit higher and again her groceries were paid for so she had the idea to open up the first brothel I oh, guess you man. must 
Yeah, she opened up the first one in that little town in the mountains of southwestern Virginia. It was a little cinder block building on the outskirts outside the city limits. So the people in the town really could not tell her she could not do it. Now, the story is that she was never a participant, but she provided an income to several women in the town and helped them survive. And that, that town, that stayed in business for quite a while. At that point, my grand, great-grandmother moved the business up to her mountaintop, and she proceeded to not only provide that service, but she also sold moonshine. And wow. I have her original moonshine recipe. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> it, it, it is. It, it says that you have to have branch water, which is from a, a creek or stream. Um, so it's, it's very authentic, but that's how she survived. My grandmother, who was her daughter-in-law, my grandfather's wife, continued to sell the moonshine up until the um, late 1960s on the same recipe. Mm-hmm. So she was very well known at that in that area for doing that. But my my family, they were not going to acknowledge it because it would it would look you know pretty bad, especially right. in an area where there's a church on every corner. <laughs> yeah, so, that's not a great look, but history is history yeah, though. <laughs> it is, it is. And and my family name in that town is very respected. Um, my, my grandmother ended up owning quite a bit of property um, and still owned that mountain until probably in the, I guess it was the mid 1980s. And a company came along, bought the property from her, and it now houses one of the only two um, maximum security prisons in the nation. Oh, my God. It, it's named after my grandfather. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> my grandfather had a, a nickname that everyone back there knew him as, and it was Red Onion. So you can look up Red Onion State Penitentiary, and that's that's was named after my grandmother. That's my grandfather. That's on our family property. So I put the nail in my coffin when I received a call from a radio station out of Kentucky that broadcast into that prison. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to know if I would tell the story of Red Onion, how he got that name. And they broadcast it into the prison. Now, nobody knows how my grandfather got that name. That's that's a story that I have not been able to um, uncover. But I did share the information about my grandfather, my great grandmother and how she raised my grandfather and how they survived. Mm -hmm. And I had a couple of family members working in that prison. And when they heard the story, of course, they went and told the other family members. And so I'm officially banned from my family. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, but you know what? It's it's fine. I don't live there anymore. So it's 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 absolutely fine. Um, and thanks to the the DNA on Ancestry, I did find uh, another part of my family that is absolutely precious to me. And so I don't I don't regret a bit of it. Uh, I've been, I enjoyed it. I had a great time with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still uncovering stuff. And I asked my husband if he wanted me to do his side of the family. And he's absolutely not. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> The amount of times I've asked my friends and family, like not my family, but my friends, uh, obviously I've done my family tree, but if I, I, the amount of times I've asked my friends, do you want me to do your family tree? And they're like, uh, no, I'm good. (laughs) I'm like, are you sure? There might be some interesting things there, but you'd be surprised how many people are just not interested or don't, don't want you to uncover like bad things, bad things. I think think it takes 
an event, not, it doesn't necessarily even have to be a traumatic event, but it takes something in your personal life to want to know about things like that. I, I've always loved history. I actually, my degree was in education, but I ended mm -hmm. up with a minor in history because I took so many history classes. Um, so I, I, I love it. And to go to the history of my family was personal, but it was also something that just interested me to no end. Uh, and I probably would have continued it even if I hadn't have found anything, the interesting things that I found just to know, just to have the names of my ancestors said out loud mm -hmm. after all these years. Yeah. So it, it was, it was very important um, that I do it and, and I don't regret it. I'm very glad I did. Right. Um, I, I know, I know who I am now and I see in my children, I can see family that I never knew I had. Um, mm -hmm. My oldest daughter is very tall, blonde, and blue-eyed. My father, his family originated from Switzerland. Um, my middle daughter is like me. She's red-haired. She's kind of short, uh, dark, greenish eyes. My family originated on my father's, um, I'm sorry, my, um, my, my um, grandfather's side from Ireland. Oh, wow. My son has very dark eyes and very dark hair. And that I think, even though his features look exactly like my biological father, my mother was Native American and he mm -hmm. is very much that beautiful golden skin, that dark, dark hair and those dark, dark eyes. So right. I, it, it's really, it's really great to look at your children and see the past. Right. It's, it is really important just to not ignore the past and to build on it so that way you can give something to your kids and then to see that past reflected in them. Exactly. And we now today with people's ability to colorize old portraits so that they actually look real, not, not like something that they've colored a 1960s sitcom with, mm -hmm. um, these people seem more real yeah. uh, rather than just a grainy black and white um, they seem very much like a real person and you can kind of see personalities. And I, I just find it fascinating. I, I encourage anybody that has an opportunity or a desire to get an ancestry account, get a um, 23andMe, whatever, or, or simply just go online and start looking at, at websites. It's amazing what you can find at no cost. Mm -hmm. So my question for you would be, uh, what kind of, what advice would you give to someone that might be nervous about what they might find in DNA testing or research? First of all, don't assume what you read is accurate or true. Get documentation, make sure that, that there is documentation to back up what you're reading on these websites. A lot of times you'll just get somebody wrote a story and that may not necessarily be the truth. Um, always make sure that anything that you find is documented. Um, secondly, if you find something that is either exciting or upsetting or might change who you think you are, don't react. Give it, give it a while. Think about it and then see the best way to proceed. My first response was to was I wanted to go to the cemetery and yell at my mother through the gravestone <laughs> to say, how could you do this? But after I thought about it, I realized she did the best she could. Right. Um, she did what she felt was right at the time. And there was no doubt that she loved me and wanted what was best for me. So it, it's important to look through other people's eyes before you respond with that visceral, it's all about me. 
So just those are the two things that I think are the most important when you're, if you're going to look into your ancestry or anybody else's history. Well, thank you so much for the insightful advice. And I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing all your wonderful stories. I mean, it's, it's been incredible. <laughs> I appreciate it too. And I agree. Incredible is, I guess, an app word for it, but I, I enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Uh, thank you all for listening in on our stories today. If you are interested in coming onto the podcast, uh, please go ahead and email me at genealogywithmegan at gmail.com. And you can also message me on TikTok or Instagram. I'm at Genealogy Explorer on all uh, social medias. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.